I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably be lost for words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words DraftKings podcast. I'm joined as ever on the DraftKings show by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey Tom, what a week at the President's Cup. Uh, looks like we kind of got salvaged a bit on Saturday. I thought, for a while I thought the event was going to have to be uh, sent to the moon. <laughs> yeah, it was um, It was tough. Like I think I think it's one of those things where like if the International's got anything out of Corey Connors, it actually would have been like a, a really good event. Like They've been lit down massively by what could be considered one of their premier players. Um, but, you know, Tom Kim, electric, um, you know, good to see Max Homer do what we thought he could do um, in team golf. So I like to see that. Uh, Jordan Spieth finally gets a singles victory, um, which is something he doesn't do. Has he ever done that? Or is that like his one and only? Yeah, that was the one and only. He has in the Dell match play, but not in, Matt, in the yeah. Ryder Cup. Or presence. Yeah, so he's, uh, you know, he'll be relieved to get that off. So... Yeah, I didn't watch too much of it. I sort of caught up in the final rounds when it was, you know, getting exciting, but it was going the way we thought it was going to go straight away, and it kind of put me off a little bit. Um, but I'm excited to have the PJ Tour back this week. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, I feel good about that too. Um, just a couple of quick Presidents Cup observations. I thought, um, yep. at, you know, I thought the optics weren't very good on Friday. I'm glad they got saved on Saturday, but there was just something about the whole situation that was kind of rubbing me the wrong way uh, the first couple of days with like. These guys are clearly outmatched, the internationals, and you had the U.S. team just absolutely kicking the shit out of them and, like, celebrating, pumping their chest, everyone chanting USA, and it was like, ugh, I don't know if this how long we can do this event for. Yeah. And and it was, uh, I, you know, I was, I was a little worried about that, and I'm glad Saturday happened the way it happened. Um, they probably weren't in it as much as people wanted you to believe they were. They, they probably never really were, but um, I think it was definitely helpful. I thought Thomas, you know, he disappointed me a couple times, the way he acted to Siwoo Kim. On Sunday, um, I, I, I hated that. And then I, but then I've t- I saw some tweets today that he kind of replied saying like, "Yeah, I was just trying to like work myself up." So it's because he was embarrassed. That's yeah, why. yeah. So it's one of those either he's trying to save face or this is Justin Thomas, right? Like he does some dumb shit. Like the, mm-hmm. Justin Thomas is dumb sometimes. I think he's probably. Like, it's good he's good at golf. I think he's probably the, the Justin Thomas line. But he's mad at Siwoo Kim for shushing the crowd, and this guy is on a Saturday at the Ryder Cup. He's giving himself a beer shower. Like, come yeah. on. It, it just seems, like, so hypocritical. Like, if you want to be that guy and do those things and hype your team up and do the fist the fist pumping and the chest pounding and the screaming at the crowd, go for it. But you can't turn around and get mad when the other player on the other team is trying to hype his team up when he's the first guy off. I just think the getting upset about the, the gimme was just... That too, yeah. Like, you can't get annoyed at that. Like no. you You're should, ju- you should have already hit the putt before he's even got a chance to say no. That's not given. Yeah, like, and they're down four. What do you expect him to do? Just give you every, give you every putt. I mean, they got to do something. I think, I think that should be taken out of the game. I've got to be honest. Just give it a gimmies. It pisses me off. Um, I agree. I agree. I don't mind the whole. Like, I remember was it was it who was it was it Day and Sergio or someone that when Kucher Kucher and was it who no but it was it was Day when he had a bad back that someone was picking the ball out of the hole for him. Was it, was oh crazy. okay i didn't remember that one yeah i, was I remember that sergio kucher and they gave each other like 20 that was a good putts. one yeah but like the the one where one of them is injured and they're picking the ball out for them like I, that's sportsmanship whereas gimme's is not yep. sportsmanship sports like gimme's is just stupid like you yep. need to finish the hole off um yeah so like he could have easily missed that part like I'm, this is justin thomas so um didn't like that but you know do i mean the easy answer is yes do we just roll the two events into one and just have Europe and international versus America? Yeah, you could. It, it, I do like having them every year, though, so I think that yeah. would make it tough, like alternating. And I do think the internationals have promise. And, I, um, you know, we talk about grow the game, and I think I'm finally going to say something that a lot of our listeners like and that I thought <laughs> this <on>. week <laughs> – This about time. I thought this week, you know, talk about growing the game. I think – the Asians in this event did so much to grow the yeah, game this week. I mean, if you're a young, if you're a young kid in, in you know Korea or in Japan, and you're watching this event, you're seeing Tom Kim and Siwoo Kim, and even Hideki wasn't great, but he battled and he was resilient. Just watching that, I mean, if you're a little kid, that has to make you excited about golf. It's pretty exciting for someone like Hideki, who's now like a leader of a team, like right, like mm-hmm. he, he's he's never he's always carried the whole weight of Japan on his shoulders and now he actually gets to show it in a team room like I think that's pretty you know him and Adam Scott are basically the two leaders of that team and you know 
I don't know how we feel about the people that were left off and stuff like that. Like that's that's a different story. But like, if they have all those players available, that's a really strong team. Like if things change in the in the next couple of years, then it can be strong. Um, we shall see. And ima- it is. And imagine going to school on Monday and you're in South Korea and saying, "Do you guys see Tom Kim on, on yeah. Saturday?" School? Yeah. It's exciting. So I I'm, I thought it was an awesome thing. Um, the Asians carried that event. I thought for the international team, both on the course and plus with their theatrics and the way they got into it, I thought it was great. Yeah, I, th- I think that that region and and that part of the world they take their golf so seriously, and we just don't see it because we you know we're not in it. Like you know, I'm from the UK, you're from America. Like it just doesn't happen, right? But you can tell by how they're talked about, like how we always hear about Matsuyama and the pressure that he's under. That they must just be fanatical about it. And you certainly see it in, in women's golf, right? Like it's always been mm-hmm. huge for for women's golf. So I think it's now creeping into to the men's side. I mean, you got like KH Lee, Sung J M, like Tom Kim, like Hideki, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, Siwoo, so I love that. Like it's, great personality. And to be honest, like I don't feel like they really did, you know, let themselves down. Like you know, they lost no. by five points, but like Europe would, you know, would struggle to keep up. Like you know, I, I think international team would beat the Euro team if they had Neiman Smith and yeah. And it would be close. It would be a very good one, but I think internationals. Typically, that's not the case. So, but I think you know this year um, with those guys, they're better than the European team this year. Yeah, I think oh, you, you're probably right. I think it's it's interesting. You look at the worst. Who would you consider the worst player in that team? In the international team. Over, over, overall, or in this particular thing? Because the Canadians just, were absolutely horrendous. Yeah, no, just overall in general. I would say at the end of the thing, you get you get Cebes, who didn't really get to play that much. Yeah. Um, and then Pendrith, who had a night hot like month, but overall he's really done basically nothing in his entire career. Yeah, I think I think Pendrith is like a, a weak link who's like got hot, and and Cibes is limited, right? But he beat Kevin mm-hmm. Kisner um, on the final day. Yeah, interesting. I'd, I'd, you know, I I'd, go. I don't think that a U.S. team is as good as everyone thinks they are either. Like I thought they were a little bit beatable this year. That's the reason I was disappointed with kind of the, the lineups that was being thrown out there. And then the fact that, you know, I'm not saying that Cam, Neiman, and uh, Andrew shouldn't, should have been able to play. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying disappointing why they didn't have full-strength team. Because I do think they're a little bit vulnerable. I do think the back end of that American team isn't as deep as everyone wants to say it is. And I thought a lot of the guys coming into the event weren't in the best of form. Look what Scheffler did. I mean, look, if you, if you, take, out, if you take out Taylor Pendrith and Cam Davis and put in... Cameron Smith and Joaquin Neiman it's a different event right mm-hmm. like it is a different event um you know Cameron Smith could do exactly what Scotty Scheffler did and just not perform like that you know that's completely you know within the realm of possibility but on paper it looks a, a completely different matchup so um but moving on from from the President's Cup it was it was nice to see um I think we've avoided controversy there for the first time in you know forever so it's that's great good. um I'm sure we'll get some controversial selections in our DraftKings lineups at some point. But um, let, let's look at the, the the top players here in the 10K range. We've got Sam Burns at 10-7, Sahith Vergara at 10-4, JT Poston 10-2, and Russell Henley 10-1. You know it's going to be a hideous event betting-wise when they're your four top golfers um, in the field. Um, but this is a different format, different way of playing it. Who of those guys do you trust the most? Uh, none of them. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I think there's two ways to look at the Burns thing. The way I'm looking at it is he just played all five matches, very emotional week, celebrating. I can't picture him coming out here and winning and winning the Sanderson Farms as a, as a defending champion. The other way to look at it would be, I do think talent-wise, he's so much better than everyone else in this field. Yeah. Um, I'm still not going to play him, and it seems like a lot of people still are. So for me, it's going to be a no, but I don't trust any of them. I guess Tagala? Poston for me. Um, I just think like the betting number looks horrible, but when you put it into context of of the field, it's fine. Like He made his first five cuts here uh, before missing the last one. He's finished 11th and 3rd. When he was 11th in 2019, he was first after round one, second after round two, and fifth after 54 holes. A year later, he finishes third, and he was second after round two and first going into Sunday. You look at his stretch of form right now. He finishes second at the Travelers, then wins a John Deere. Six starts since he misses two, uh, no, misses one cut, but has four top 21 finishes 
Um, ninth place, the highest at the Tour Championship, obviously in a limited field. Been top 20 in both strokes gain and approach and strokes gain tee to green in that time. So I trust JT Poston to play well. Um, do I love starting my team with JT Poston? No, not really. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so at all. I don't, I don't actually want to start my team with any of them. Um, I'd probably rather just have a more balanced build. But if I was going to pick someone for me, it'd be JT Poston. So Poston for me, Thigala for you. Yeah, I, I won't be playing any of the any of the four. No. So I don't think we need to waste too much time talking about them. And I mean, the Russell Henley, again, I would say that he's probably the closest to Burns in terms of true upside talent, I guess. Like, Henley can be a guy, I think. But he just he's had so many years of not showing it, I guess, that we don't trust that. Yeah, in that case, I would rather play Henley than Poston. I just can't. The sticker shock for Poston at 10 to, uh, above 10 is just way too much for me to, to overcome. Yeah, I think, I think the thing with Poston is like, He's a guy when he's 50 to 1 in a window model John Deere, and it's actually quite a surprise mm-hmm. that you, you take him, right? And he's probably like 8, whatever, 8, 6, 9K in, in those events, and it's a completely different story. 9Ks then, we've got, we start with Denny McCarthy at 9, 9, and we end with Davis Riley at 9. Uh, they're two people that we've been down on. <laughs> You'll show me that you're down on them already on the screen here. Um, it's a good choice, not a YouTube show. Um, I mean, I'm down on both of them. I think the only thing I would say about Denny McCarthy is like, I seem to, what was, was it the Fortinet? Everyone was kind of playing it, wasn't they? Am I right? Yeah, I think so. I think. Well, the, the I people, just tend to people were him. betting them, weren't they? And I couldn't work out why because he'd like missed like three or four cuts there, whereas here he's got a seventh, a sixth, and two top 18. So, like, there's a reason to play him this week. Um, he is in decently good form. So, I mean, you could start your... I could start a team with Denny McCarthy and JC Poston, but I just don't think that leaves me enough for the rest of the team. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the the question premise is ceiling. Um, there was a point in time when he was matching up some decent ball striking to go over that putting, but that really just hasn't been happening. He's lost on a, uh, on approach in four of his past five, six of his last seven. The putting is, is great, and it's still great, but... It's just ceiling is is too limited. Not to mention, this is a place where you have to be able to gain strokes off the tee. Yeah. Since it became a, a regular event uh, three years ago, the winners have been Munoz, Garcia, and Burns. Um, Burns and Garcia were first in strokes gained off the tee. Munoz was third. Um, and they were all up there in approach too. Like this is a ball strikers paradise. You do have to putt, but I don't I don't think you can get away with not gaining strokes off the tee. And he simply doesn't gain strokes from the tee ever. He's uh, in his last five events, he's averaging minus 1.5 stroke gained off the tee. So yeah, you don't look at Denny McCarthy when he sets up on the tee box and expects him to hit a frozen rope down the middle, do you, at 300 yards? Especially no. um, Munoz, you've obviously mentioned there, is, is a former winner. Do we have any interest in him? I don't want to play these guys coming off the Presidents Cup. No. Um, I think he played really well at the Presidents Cup, and I think he, you know, got a little bit of rest. He wasn't burned to the ground like like Burns, no pun intended. But um, it's going to be not for me just because the price in the combination with coming off that Presidents Cup. I do I do like him though. So who would be your pick in this nine K range? Um, looking at it now, there's a guy who's not very popular, and there's a guy who I bet to win at fifty to one, who I really like a lot in this event, and that's Keegan Bradley. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the reason I like him is because he reminds me a lot of Sergio, right? He's kind of like an American Sergio. He's gained strokes um, off the tee all the time, on approach most of the time. Uh, and he, like Sergio, when he gained three strokes here and two years ago, he won. Three strokes putting, he won. Like, if, if Keegan can do that, I think he can win. Not to mention, he's probably the second or third best player in this field. And he's 40, 50 to 1. And he's the 10th, you know, price guy on this list. So... His form isn't great, but it wasn't great in 2020 when he came to this event either, and he finished in fourth. He was coming off a three straight missed cuts, so I think he's just a you know he's a he's a class above the rest of these players, and I think you get value on him considering a lot of people want to play the young guys, and I think these vets sometimes can can sneak in there. So I like him a lot. Yeah, I mean, look, we we saw Taylor Montgomery impress at the Fortinet, and obviously we know that I think this is a better golf course than I thought. Uh, the Fortinet would be for him so if, you, if you're going to play him there but he did lose strokes off the tee I think at the Fortinet he was like 57th in the field uh, for strokes going off the tee so not necessarily the most promising I thought Grillo was interesting because you know th- there was a, a decent sense of intrigue in playing him last time I think I put him up on, on the podcast as a bet and in fantasy uh, he ranked 20th, 20th off the tee um, last time out and you look at 
you know, just his ball striking numbers overall, he's pretty solid. And again, like you look at his course form, it doesn't stand out like 39th, 35th, 39th. But when he was 39th, he was 18th in the halfway stage, 10th after round one. Um, and then last year, like he just wasn't playing well, but still shot a 66 on the Saturday. Like I think, I think the upside of Grillo is is capable of winning this event. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I'm, and I'm considering betting him as well. I'm starting my lineups with Keegan and Grillo. I know, I know that's scary. Is, but... That is fucking scary. <laughs> um... but, but I like that approach. I think it gives you a nice balanced build. He's he's first in my overall model, which you know sometimes I take a lot into it, sometimes I don't. But he's first off the tee in his past 24 events. He's fifth in par five. Um, you look at you know South Americans who have won this event, and I think that um, that speaks to you know the fact that Munoz has won and Sergio has won. Um, yeah, so for me, I, I, I like Grillo a lot, and I'm I'm kind of thinking of betting him. Anyone else that you like in this 9K range? Um, not quite, no, you, not quite You, you said no to the President's Cup, guys, so that kind of rules out, obviously, Bezweden how I thought I thought if you look at kind of like some of the people that have won here, like you, you think of like the Ryan Armors and the Peter Manartis and stuff, but like there is a path to success for people like him, um, and he's played some good golf, uh, but... I just never that high on Bezuin now. I just think he's worth mentioning. The only issue for me is I do like for him. I don't mind the Presidents Cup because the fact that he didn't play really. Yeah. But um, the the thing for me with that is when those guys were winning, they were alternate field event. To me, it just doesn't feel like a coincidence that since this thing became a full field event yeah. with 500 FedEx points, then three bombers have won. Do you do you think that's just because of the people that turn up? Is it, is it just simple as that? Like people just didn't. Turn I up think before? so. Like because Malnati was still second to Garcia, right, and had a good chance to win. Like I suppose, like even like when when did it go full field? Twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen? Uh, there's been there's been three. Twenty nineteen, twenty has only been three. Right. Okay. So yeah. So you go. Munoz beats Sung Jm. Garcia beats Peter Malnati, and then Burns beats Watney and Young. I think there's there's still scope for some surprise sort of people to contend, but like you say, it probably mm-hmm. does go to a strong winner. Let's look at the eight k range. So, I'm having a problem with the two top people in the 8K range. So Sepp Stracker is playing a lot better than, than he previously was. He's in great form. Um, I like a lot about Sepp Stracker. He gains those strokes off the tee, which you do like to see. Four missed cuts at this golf course. So I tend to get away from course form a bit now um, and just play what we know we've got in front of us. And like his ball striking is some of the better in the field right now. But when you miss four cuts, is that just enough to say that you can't play the golf course? Oh, it's tough. I mean, I literally have the exact same argument as you. I was going to say the same thing. I was like, you know, talking to a friend and I was saying I like him a lot this week. The brick shit house is what I call him. <laughs> and I like um, I like everything about him here. It seems like a perfect, perfect fit. And he's playing really well. And, and you know, the fact that he was able to challenge in such a strong field at um, at uh, whatever it was, St. Jude. Yeah. Um, and then now, you know, it looks like nobody's going to play him. He's um he's a great good fit but that that's ah, those four missed cuts they're bothering so he's ne- a lot, never broken 70 like it's not even like he's oh. at a 75 and shot a 69 or something but the only thing i would say and this goes back to the podcast i did before tyrell hatton missed three straight cuts of dunhill links and then finished first first second 15th and second so things change like yeah i know that that's a unique event as opposed to this being pretty you know right in front of you what it is but talent wise and like this season and, and skill set wise he's perfect yeah I, I'm, I'm probably going to play him anyway um, and take that risk it's, it's weird that he missed those cuts I guess I'd have to look into kind of what form he was in you're, at that time you're going to get burnt here by basically everyone like I don't I don't yeah. think I could I don't think you're going to be able to build a lineup this week and go like they're all getting through like it's, it's just one of those like just hope for the best type tournaments um, yeah which sometimes produces the best results right but like I look at someone like, so like, we'll come down to him later on, but like Nick Taylor's someone I've bet. First 20th, 23rd, 26th, and then three missed cuts. Like, mm-hmm. things just change. Like, yeah. Again, that's maybe because the, the field shrimp's got better and something to keep in mind. But the field shrimp isn't as good this week, I guess, because of the position. It's, um, pretty, it's pretty bad, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't really know what to do with him. And then the other one is Thomas Dietrich, who should fit the mold of, of what we want like gain strokes off the tee he's a great ball striker he's actually first off the tee last time out um is that enough i'd, I'd i think he's got a really good game for the pga tour it's just how he's going to balance both tours because he will play both 
yeah, he's third in driving distance, fourth in par five. Um, he, you know, so the question is, yeah, actually, you know, win and not that we need him to at this price, but I did like what he, what we saw from him at the Fortinet and he's actually played more on the PGA tour than I thought he has. And he's actually done pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. He's played, he plays those opposite field events pretty often. Um, yeah, I mean, look, he was fifth at the, the, the Wentworth, which is which is huge. Like even through three of uh, three rounds, twelfth at the Fortinet in what was his first start of the season, and it's a big season for him. Like I've been pretty impressed. It's just how he's going to cope with the back and forth. I mean, hopefully he's just stayed up there and made himself a base, and he could do what like Aaron Rye and Bezuidenhout did, where they did dedicate themselves to the PGA Tour and didn't go back as much as I thought they would. Um, and if he does that, I think he'd be okay. In terms of betting, because I was considering him and also Burmester, who we'll get to, but like, is a Belgian just going to come and win in Mississippi in the middle of the the fall swing season? It just seems it's just hard to picture. It, I mean, he doesn't win on the DP World Tour, so like, it it's that's why I haven't bet him. But like, I, I actually think he's a really good DraftKings player. As yeah, I, I yeah, I think so too, and I feel the same about Burmy. Like, it's a South African. Just gonna, cause I'm thinking about betting him, him too. So I need the advice real quick. Is he just a South African who's never playing on the PGA Tour just going to come and win this random event in Mississippi? Like <laughs> he he has enough problems winning on the DP World Tour, which is what concerns me. I mean, like I would look at the fact that he was really good on the Corn Ferry Tour for a good stretch and didn't win. That's how I would look at it and and take from that what you will. I think I think he has a great skill set to be someone that shoots the lowest round of the day on a big mm-hmm. day. Um, and just, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's tough. I, I think it's really tough. I'm sitting on the fence here a little bit. I would say no to Birmingham in terms of winning upside. But mm-hmm. I think he, I think he's got the right skill set. And I don't even necessarily think Dietrich can win either. I just I just think they're both perfect skill sets for this event. Make a lot of birdies probably too, which is yeah. always good in DraftKings. Par five players, birdies, like, mm-hmm. going to have high upside. Probably going to help your team going forward. Had win Harris English either of those you like? No, no. So like, there is a little bit of renaissance for Harris English at the moment. I was tempted to play him, uh, but it was all sort of flat stick charged at the Fortinet, which kind of puts me up a little bit. Did sort of just speak to Brad on the betting show, and you can sort of see the argument that even if it's sort of putting sort of charged, if he's got the confidence, he's got the confidence, and maybe the rest of his game does come. Um, I sort of said a few times, I think, on these shows that I've been looking to put Harris English in after the injury, but. 8,600 just because he had one top 10 is probably not for me. I think the time will come. I don't think it's yet. I don't think this is the right spot. I actually, and to your point about the confidence, I saw him on Friday at the um, Travelers. I was there in person watching, and he was um, charged at the leaderboard. He was in second after the second round. He was, at, I think, 10 under. The leader was at 11, and he looked unbelievable. I was like, holy shit, Harry, Harry English is back. The yeah. weekend he shot like 75, 76, and, and like, so, so. Sometimes the game is just not there, even if the confidence is. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I trust him yet. I do think he'll be back, and I do think he's going to have a good season. And I think there's going to be some spots that we should definitely go on. Are we? Are we, are we thinking like El Chameleon for like Mexico and stuff like that? Me, I'm thinking in that Sea Island. Like when he yeah. gets over to Sea Island, Georgia, North Carolina, I think those spots are probably the best for him. Yeah, sounds good to me. Taylor Moore, I'm back in on again. I know I grouped Taylor Moore and Alex Smalling in a lot, but he finished 53rd here on his debut, which is back in like 2017. Uh, last year, he finished 17th, opened with a 66 and shot a 67 on the Saturday. He was 36th at the Fortinet, but he was actually 5th at the halfway stage. And then when you look at the fact he, he did a couple of courses that people talk about, the Rocket Mortgage and the Wyndham, he was 6th at Rocket Mortgage, 5th at the Wyndham. So he can play these Donald Ross designs with the other guy that's kind of heavily influenced it. I like Taylor Moore. I think this is a spot I've been waiting for him to kind of break through, and I think he can win it. Yeah, great ball striking numbers. Um they weren't as good last week, and they kind of been falling off a bit lately, which is concerning. Yeah. yeah, a little bit concerning, and he's going to be very, very popular. Um, those are my concerns with him. Um, I like another guy who's close to him, but I do I do see your appeal, and I think he's probably a good play. For me, the guy right beno- below him, Trey Mellonax, who I view as like the Thomas Dietrich, Burmeister skill set, but he's the SEC version. He's went to Alabama. He's won in Kentucky, and now you're in Mississippi. So I feel like you know he's the guy who I, I've bet him at 60-1. to 1. Um, I just think he's the type, and he, he'll be popular as well, but I think he's the perfect skill set for this course. We saw what he could do in um, that event. Was That was also the uh, St. Jude when, when Zalatoris won. Yeah. He was great there too. So, uh, yeah, I, I like him this week. I think it's just one of those ones where, like, 
we we've been saying this ever, ever since he won, right? Like we keep we we basically talk about Mullins every week since he's won, and we kind of just keep saying like sports, but don't think he can win again. Like it's just as simple as that, and and you can see why. Like he's not the type of person that you think is going to win twice in a season or twice in three months or whatever. But I don't really see why not. Like he he's capable of doing it, and he, he's he's just a really good player in this kind of field. Last 24 rounds, he's top 15 in approach, off the tee, driving distance, and strokes game par five. Yeah. So I just think those are things you need to do here, and he does them. Yep. Fourth last year. Um, yeah, not fourth done last a ho- year. Forgot about that. Not not done an awful lot since. But even when he was so he was 57th on his second start here, open with a 65 to sit second after day one, was fourth after day two, and then just fell away over the weekend. And even when he was 73rd, he was 25th at the halfway stage. So if you think about what the form he's in, like top 25 is is definitely on the cards. And yes, okay, you obviously want more than that if you're paying this kind of price for him. But I think he's a pretty solid play. Yeah. I, I struggle here now because the rest of the 8K is Wyndham Clark gains strokes off the tee like a lot. And it should be a good golf course for him, but I feel like that a lot of the time about Wyndham Clark, and it never seems to materialise. Like, I don't know how good he is. Like, he finished seventeenth here, had the first round lead on his debut, um, and then he's been pretty shit since. Fifty fourth miscut, sixty sixth miscut. Like, <clears throat> do we believe in in Wyndham Clark? I certainly don't. I, I don't think I've ever played him in a in a lineup before, and it's worked out pretty well for me so far. He always has that low round, and like he'll be the guy. Like even on sometimes you'll see on. Like Saturday, he'll he'll have a 54 hole. He'll be in the final group with like a really good player, and he'll shoot like a 78. Yeah. Um. I don't. I just don't trust him. So Chris Quirk has won what was then the Viking Classic on a different golf course, but he's also been second on this one. I know you sort of spoke to me about liking him as a as a bet. Um, do you like him as DraftKings as well? I think so. Um. <laughs> I like the, I like the history on the course. Uh, I don't think he's gonna be crazy popular at 8200, which is you know, a rarity for him because people really seem to like to play him. I never play him. Um, his form is kind of falling off. Like, I'm not in love with him as much as I when I first saw it. Um, yeah. Just looking at what he's been doing lately. So I'm kind of on the fence. Yeah, I, th- I think he's okay. I think I think there's there's a, a pretty large barrel of shit here. And, you know, if you can churn out someone that isn't quite as shit as everybody else, then, um, you know, you're, you're in a good spot. So... I think that's kind of how you've got to sort of appeal it to it. Gary Woodland was seventh in approach at the Fortinet, but I'm mm. guessing he sucked off the tee, 67th off the tee. Uh, it's such a good price and such a good betting price, and it's like you want it just to work out so badly, but it just never does. And uh, I don't know. It's it's tough. He should he play pretty well here. Is he like done as a as a prospect? Like is he is he just he's had that big big win and that's it? I mean, I'm going to yeah. talk about I'm going to talk about someone far later who could be similar parallels. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I could see that being the case. Yeah, I, I really could. Um, would it shock me if he got a contention? But I mean, when I, you know, if he does come back, I don't think it's going to be at the Sanderson Farms. I think it's going to be, and he's going to show up. It's going to be the memorial, and he's going to be in the top five going Tory into the week or something. Yeah, I don't think it's going to. He's going to win this win, just randomly win a swing season event. So let's go into the seven Ks then, and you've already spoken about Dean Burmester, so we know kind of how you feel about that. How I, I think he's fine as well. Um, I've already referenced that I'm betting on Nick Taylor. Uh, he was sixth at the Fortinet, where he shot an opening round 67 and weekend rounds of 67, 68 to get over a second round 75. Um, he's had three, re- you know, he's won here. Uh, when he was doing his title defence, he was 8th at the halfway stage and then sort of fell away to 20th. And then he came back the following year, 8th at the halfway stage, fell away to 23rd, and then was 26th and then missed three cuts. But looking at the form that he's in, I mean, he, he's not of that mould of players that you've spoken about since it's become a, a, a full field event. But I do believe in the talent of Nick Taylor. I do think he's capable of winning at this level. I mean, he's pretty sure he was wire to wire at Pebble Beach, if I, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think he can hold these guys off. So I would say that that's Burmester and um, Nick Taylor kind of ticked off there. Do we go to Steele again? No, I just think his his hot run is probably over for now. Um, 
So Aaron Rye was who I was looking at when we were looking at the Peter Malnati's and, and the people of, of that ilk, but are you unsure they can do that now in this kind of, now it's kind of turned up a notch? Yeah, Aaron Rye, it's a tough one. He's um He was good last week, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, two weeks ago, the Italian Open, he was good, yeah, fifth. Yeah, I remember seeing him, yeah. Um, he, he wears two gloves, which is a concern. Yeah, very, very concerning. Um, yeah, I don't mind him as a play. He seems like he's going to be pretty low-owned. Um, well, for me, I was I was looking at Benny on. I mean, it's not like he just showed up out of nowhere. He's been playing pretty well. Yeah, I like Benny on. Like, second off the tee um, at the Fortinet. And when you think about Benny on, of, of what he was before he went through his struggles, like, He's a ball striker who we know needs to get streaky with his putter, but can do it. Um, you know, he's he's won big events, like he's won Wentworth. Like it's not it's not like he can't do it. So I'm I'm pretty in on Benyan. Yeah, I'd rather play him than mostly any of these guys. I just believe in his ceiling. Um, how good I, you know, we, just... how good is he? Like that's that's the because that 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 is actually one win that he's had is is Wentworth. Um, but he won it by six strokes. Like it was it was a really dominant victory. Then he won at the Corn Ferry this year, uh, earlier in the year, the Leecom Suncoast Classic. Um, he's won the Challenge Tour. So he's, he's won at every level that he has played at except for the PGA Tour, where he's lost twice in a playoff, and one of them was to Bryson DeChambeau. So mm-hmm. do we... I don't know. Uh, I don't know how I feel about him. Like, he's very popular, and he's a great ball striker, which is why he kind of gets mentioned an awful lot and you look at like he's got really solid finishes in every major 33rd master 26th the pga 16th the us open 26th the open like he's a, he's a strong talent who i guess has just been in the doldrums a bit so I, I i don't know i guess he can win this event is probably what i'm getting at he probably can he's like a lesser version of sibu kim for me it's like a, such a boomer bust play like when he's at his best he he's could be the best player in this field when he's not at his best he could finish dead last and like yeah that's what's tough about him, and, and he has a high ceiling, I think. So 4.4 off the tee last week um, wasn't great on approach, which is a little concerning. But the fact that he had a good overall year, and then we saw that fourth-place finish last week, it wasn't completely out of nowhere. So I do think that's enough to go back to him. Yeah, and he was the 36-hole leader here in 2019, finished third. So, you know, you, that's the, the first of those when it's been a full-field event. So interesting... <laughs> I've mentioned Alex Smalley always goes alongside Taylor Moore for me. I don't necessarily like him for this one. Um, Justin Lauer is playing well, but... I mean, he won't win because he'll just shit himself, but it doesn't mean that he can't be a good DraftKings play. Yeah, 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 he's fine, I guess. Um, not not particularly interested this, in This him. is going to be it for the rest of this show now. It's like, he's fine. Like, yeah. <laughs> we, we've, we've got through the guys that you could even be positive about and and they were a struggle like this is this is a trouble this event we we said it before we even came on like it's it's a it's a tough event to to get excited about but it's also where you will get a decent amount of edge because i imagine there's just so many different combinations of what people have put together like whereas a lot of the other stuff is right in front of you and the lineups kind of build themselves this is where you can get a bit wild i think there is a guy who i do think is better than fine down here um okay. at 7200 i think uh davis thompson who yes he was like you know in that category with saw last year coming up and uh coming off the, and everyone was saying no he's going to be a have this high ceiling and he, and he does he was the sec player of the year he's an all-american he played at georgia so he's kind of familiar with this um playing in the sec uh states and he was great last week he was ninth you know at silverado last week and uh, he has a skill set that I think could work here, and a lot of people are focused on Montgomery and so and all that. But I think Davis Thompson could be just as good as them, and he's sneakily, you know, kind of starting to play well. Yeah, finished 35th here on his debut last year as well, so shot fine around 67, which is even if it's not the best result in the world, like it, it stands out because he's in the golf course, which is not what you know you can't apply that to everyone else, right? So. Um, interestingly enough, he's next to Henry Norlander in, in the betting who I'm pretty sure has got two fourth place finishes on this golf course uh, in one of the more random uh, records. Yeah, 39th on debut and then miscut 4th, fourth, 4th. Fourth. Um, been playing some decent stuff on the Corn Ferry of late as well. Don't trust him, but you know he's, he's got it done here twice. He's finished with closing 65 uh, in 2021, uh, 2020, sorry, and 64 last year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he sucks. 
he does suck but like <laughs> it, it it's like so does 95 percent of the yeah. field so you just have to you just have to find these kind of things i mean he's not going to be missed but you look at the fact that he was sixth at the nationwide children's i mean that's a really long title of, of an event people can guess which one i'm talking about um and he was 30th at the rocket mortgage which i think i think the rocket mortgage is another event that he's played well at multiple mm-hmm. times and the Wyndham as well and he finished 30th and 47th there so as, as a guy that i think can make the cut henry norlander yeah, if he showed up last week, I'd feel a little bit better about him. But the fact that he lost three on approach last week, lost 5.5 putting, it just seems like, I don't know, he, he just seems like he's a guy who will, who will let you down pretty easily. And did, um, I, did I talk about Will Gordon at the Fortinet? So I think I, I think feel you like did. I, I feel like I did because I think I said that I was pissed off that I didn't bet him at the Corn Ferry event, and then he won. Um, and he finished 36th at the Fortinet. He was 16th after round two, 25th after round three and i'm pretty sure he was top 10 off the tee yeah eighth off the tee as well he gained nearly four strokes off the tee so strikes me as someone that could perform well in in a you know pretty limited field uh he's only mm-hmm. got a miscut in a 53rd here but again just another guy that i think can kind of make the cut and probably got a better skill set than some of these down here yeah i like him a lot he gained he had six strokes ball striking last week um his his undoing was he lost four strokes around the green which I think was more important last week than it is this this week. Um, yeah. But three three point six on approach and two point four off the tee. I think he's he's probably a really good play. Yeah, so I, I think I like Will Gordon. Anyone else in this kind of seven k range? Um, last guy I was looking at seven k flat was Hayden Buckley. I was just, just, just about to say Hayden Buckley. Yeah, he has he has the skill set. Um, I like I actually bet him at one hundred and thirty to one. I bet I bet Thompson at one hundred and thirty to one as well. Yeah. Um, but he was fourth in his last twenty four rounds. He's fourth in strokes gained off the tee, which is pretty much enough for me. But the fact that, um, you know, he finished fourth here last year too. Yeah, I was gonna say in so, terms of fourth, he's he's been fourth on the course, so that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So is Henry nope. Norlander though. Yeah, Twi- yeah. <laughs> twice <laughs> no his, his fourth doesn't count it only counts if i like you or if i yeah, uh, want to play you that's fair enough um hayden buckley though like i think people need to cast their minds back to last year and we were very excited about hayden buckley right like as a as a community i think it's probably the fairest thing to say like he was a popular player and you know he's now sitting at 7k flat knowing that he was fourth on the golf course last year and he showed some life was it was it the u.s open where he played where he finished 14th at the u.s open didn't he uh, yeah was he leading at one point he might have been you know what i think it just shows like the guys who it's just stroking off the tee like isn't that so much of what the u.s open is drive it long drive it straight and that's what he does and those are the guys who have done well here 26 for the 3m 24 for the rocket mortgage both of those are kind of like for this didn't make the cut at the fortinet but not necessarily a huge deal talk about gaining strokes off the tee is it time to back our favorite dylan fratelli again yeah He's been so shit. Yeah, I just don't trust him. I mean, he has that upside that you look for, but he hasn't really gained strokes off the tee, really, in a long time. I mean, the last time he gained more than two, and it was two exactly, was back in May. Um, yeah. He hasn't, yeah, he just hasn't been doing it, really. He's made three or four cuts here, though, and finished sixth in 2019, so it's okay. I mean, I don't love it. Um it's basically all just gearing to this one final section I've got, but we will we will talk about some others before we get down to this 6300 gem. Um, Matty Schmid and is is another person that can hit the ball a decent way, and so can Vincent Norman, who I believe is in this field as well. I'm not sure what price. Norman he is, is 6700. Yep, I bet him at 200 to one, and uh, playing him at 6700. I think last week he gained 4.2 off the tee, which is probably one of the best in the field. Yeah. Um, I just like his ball striking game. I mean, he's like basically the Corn Ferry Tour Sergio, so why not? Yeah, Matthew Schmid was third off the tee, and Vincent Norman was fourth off the tee. So it's a pretty good pairing there if you're just looking for that skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't have too much more to say on them. They're both people that had very short stays uh, on the DP World Tour and have managed to get themselves out here quite quickly. Um, Callum Tarran was a guy that was on people's kind of list for a long time. Hasn't really 
done it after people got back on him. Interesting enough, Brad on the Better Show brought up MJ DeFay or Defu, I can't remember how exactly to Duffy say it. Duffy is how you pronounce it. Duffy, there you go. See, I told him it was wrong when he was telling me what it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the better names on tour, if you get it right. He's interesting because statistically he's not going to stand out. One, because you don't have a whole lot of stats on him because it's on the call very tour an awful lot. But like, he has improved as a player and he was right up there in the US Open for a decent amount of time. He's played well um, on the Corn Ferry. I think he lost one playoff at the Boise Open to Will Gordon and then he was second elsewhere. So like when he's finally had a bit of secured status, he's been pretty good. And then when you look at where, like last year, he finished 12th or two years ago, sorry, he finished mm. 12th here and he was fourth at the halfway stage. So he could be a guy at 6,800. He could be. Um, also, last week his ball striking numbers were all pretty good. He lost almost eight strokes putting. So there you go. That's what we want. That's what we want. The guys that just can't get in the hole eventually. That's that's yep. basically what we're looking for, isn't it? <laughs> um, Adam Schenk's got solid course form, um, nah. but is he broken? He's going to be popular too, which is it's going to, it's going to be a no for me. I don't know. I don't. Tr- I don't think he has a ceiling. He has no ceiling. Like, he can't win. Like it, it depends. I don't what think he can come. Yeah, 15th, it would be a stretch for me. Then you probably don't want to put him in your team. Um, I feel like I talked about Michael Thompson last week, and there's no real reason to talk about him again. I'm just going to go into my guy. Like, I'm just going to yeah. do it, and I'm just gonna, and then we can kind of build around. So Jimmy Walker put out a post on Instagram, which I must admittedly say that I get caught out an awful lot of people... Especially with swing videos. Swing videos are the worst because I think everyone looks fucking amazing at hitting the golf ball and then start like betting them and realise that actually everyone as professionals is pretty good at hitting the golf ball. Uh, except for Aaron Wright, his ball striking is not great. Um, but anyway, so Jimmy Walker, he, he talks an awful lot about his kids and his, his wife and she was going through a surgery. But then he said, We received a gift from golf and felt compelled to take it. I didn't know what to expect. After the results compiled, I was blown away at what I still have in the tank. It is just one week, but I have a shit ton of talent, period. There is some serious... And you, you're going to have to tell me what this means. What does WTFWT mean? What the fuck? When something. Yeah, I don't know that. I never heard the WT at the end. Maybe he's really old and doesn't know how to say what the fuck. Yeah, yeah. Like that. But anyway, so he said there was some serious WTFWT last week moments. But if you look at the stats, it could be... Oh, really... what the fuck was that? Oh, there you go. There was some serious what the fuck was that last week moments. But if you look at the stats, this could be really fucking fun. It's up to me to let it go. And he put out there, he was first in birdies at the Fortinet. So he made 22 birdies at the Fortinet. He was 37th off the tee, which is fine for Jimmy Walker. He's not the biggest hitter. He was first in strokes gain approach. So then that sort of leads to, okay, is this just one week for Jimmy Walker? But I always feel like there's one player that kind of has a bit of a renaissance at some point in their career after a few years out. Mm-hmm. So he led, obviously I just said he led the birdies, um, led the field in birdies. He was first in approach, fourth in tee to green. And he just, that Instagram post gives me the belief that he's got some confidence. You look in 2020, he led after round one. And last year when he was still broken, uh, he was 15th at the halfway stage. And again, he's, he's obviously not finished the job. And, you know, we have no idea whether he can ever finish the job again. But... I feel like with Jimmy Walker, like it's almost acceptable that he went off the rails. And the reason I say that, like it took him so long to win on the PJ Tour. Like mm-hmm. he hit the bar an awful lot. And then wins in 2013, he beats Vijay Singh at uh, the Fries.com Open. 2014, he wins twice Sony Open against Chris Kirk and then Pebble Beach against Dustin Johnson and Jim Renner. Then he wins the Sony Open again over Scott Piercy by nine strokes. Then he beats Jordan Spieth at the Valero Texas Open by four strokes, and then he beats Jason Day at the PGA Championship by a stroke. So we know the upside of Jimmy Walker is a win. Um, We know the upside of Jimmy Walker is a major win. He had Lyme disease, which basically leads, like, basically as soon as he got diagnosed with that, he was just never good again. Um, And there's an argument that that's just the case. Like, maybe he can still make 22 birdies, but he can't put four rounds together because he's got Lyme disease. And that could still be the case. But... At 300 to 1 betting wise, and you know, 6,300 in DraftKings, like, I'm just going to take a chance that he's going to back up what he says. Like, golfers don't normally post swing videos and they don't normally write messages unless they're feeling really confident because they don't mm-hmm. want to make themselves look stupid. And I think that's just a case of that. 
I, I agree. I think um, a lot of you know, I a lot of things you said I think are completely valid. I'm gonna give him a chance just because of this. So um, if he does bad, it's your ass. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> it's it's one of those ones. I I will probably tweet about Jimmy Walker later, and loads of people will go, "Oh, that's a good idea," and then like they'll all just hate my guts. Um, yeah, and I'm fine with that. Like that's pretty much why I use Twitter. So it's. Yeah, I mean, they'll this, find this, one reason to hate us. So yeah, exactly, it's not, it's not hard, is it? So um, this six K range is dire, right? So I think I think to summarise, um, I like the skill sets of Matty Schmidt and Vincent Norman. I don't know necessarily what they're going to do, but I think they've got high upside. Um, obviously, I've just given all the spill of why Jimmy Walker's going to win the tournament. I was actually looking for how to win, like prices to win by five strokes, but there was no market for Jimmy Walker. Um, <laughs> Interestingly enough, next next to Jimmy Walker was a uh, was the famous divorcee uh, William McGurk, <laughs> <laughs> who has played here five times, has a seventh, a second, a twenty fifth, a seventeenth, and a miscut. Um, must have got remarried in that time, and life's pretty good. Um, yeah, I think it's bad again though for him. Yeah, it could be, it could be bad. <laughs> But like two starts ago, he was 14th. Again, that's on the Corn Ferry Tour. But like a lot of these guys, I mean, it's what stock you put into the Corn Ferry Tour form because a lot of these guys that are in this field were playing Corn Ferry events. Like even the better guys in this event were playing Corn Ferry because they've lost their cards. Right. Yeah. I mean, you could look at it as, as a basically a Corn Ferry Tour event with like five or six guys who wouldn't be on there. But for the most part, yeah, bottom level it is. So. You can get away with probably anybody, but I think, you know, uh, I have no really interest in bringing anybody else I, up. I, I just wanted to bring Dirk McGurk up because of what you said about him in the past. Yeah. That, was, yeah. that was the only reason. I don't actually want to play him, and I'm not advocating yeah. anyone else should. Um, oh, it's, it's horrible down here. There, there's Harry a guy Higgs that, is dead. Yeah, Harry Higgs is dead. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. Um, there's a guy that I'm really intrigued about, and I don't know he's actually good at golf, but Brandon Matthews hits it an absolute mile. I knew you were going to say that right when you started saying it, yeah. Is, is he um, actually any good at golf? I don't know. I haven't seen any evidence of him being good at golf. He was third in, back in July in the Corn Ferry Tour event. Um, he has a win. Won, yeah, he's won back in um, February, so he could be, I guess. Um, he's that he guy they a... keep putting on Instagram because he takes like 360-yard drives to the green. Um, yeah, if, if you're going to take a chance on a guy down here, it's probably a guy like him with that skill set. He he's been around longer than we think is the slight concern. Although PJ Tour Latino America, he's won three times: 2017, 2020, 2021, um, and then wins on the Corn Ferry. So you could say that he's trending, or you yeah. could just say that he's not very good and just hits the ball a long way. Um, tough one. It really, really is a tough one. Um, don't quite know what to make of him, but. We're going to learn more about these guys as the season goes along. Um, what would your overriding statement be on this event as a closing closing remark? It would be all the evidence we've seen since it's become a full field event is that you need to be able to game strokes off the tee. Uh, distance is really important. I want to take bombers who I think can get hot with the putter. That's kind of what I'm looking for. I think I think whoever eventually wins this is going to be a guy who is good off the tee. That sounds good to me. Um, actually, there was one guy I wanted to mention who I don't know if he quite fits into bombers, but he hits a decent way. Joseph Bramlett. Mm-hmm. Yep, he was on my radar as well. Um, he he hits it a decent way um, and has found some form of late again corn fairy stuff, but like two out of three made cuts here. Um, is a guy that I think people chased his form a little bit for a while, but he was 12th at the Fortinet start of the season, finished the corn fairy of 18th, 6th and 23rd, so. Definitely in for. Yep, I like I like him. I think he's a good play. Uh, what price is Joseph Brown? It's seven two, so I must have skipped past him somehow. But um, yeah, I like fifth him. and drive. Yeah, um, Bramlett. He's, he, I have he's first in driving distance. He's ahead of Matthews, ahead of Dietrich. Yeah, so you can you can call him a bomber. Then I like that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I like uh, Joseph Bramlett as a player in the seven k range. That was a little bit all over the place, that, that final range, but it just is that. Like, I could go back and forth. We could spend another hour talking about this range and probably still not come to any conclusion. So mm-hmm. um, let's sort of summarise our favourites in each range. So the 10K range is, is pretty reluctant for you, Matt, but Sahitha Garner? Yeah, I guess. Um, 
I'm just going to take two in the nines because I don't want to say anybody who I'm not going to really play myself. Yeah, that's fine. I'm going to go. I am going to play JC Boston. Nine um, K range. Um, I'm going to go Keegan. Um, Keegan and Grillo. I'll be playing both of them a lot. Yeah, I'm going to be playing some Grillo. I can't make my mind up about Keegan. I, I was like you. I kind of think he's a better player than most in this field and, and could potentially show it. Um, 8K. I really want to take a chance on the Sip Stracker. Um, I think Taylor Moore is the play, but I think there's something about Stracker that I like this week. I like Stracker as well. I, I probably will be playing him and Trey Mellanax I like. Cool. Uh, let's have a couple from the 7K range each. I am going to go with uh, Nick Taylor. Uh, I think he was in the 7K range, right? I'm just scrolling mm-hmm. down here. 74, yep. 7,400. Um, what else am I going to go for? I was, do you know why I, was, I couldn't find Nick Taylor for a long time? It's because I was looking for the Canadian flag rather than his actual face. Like I'm surprised he's got a <laughs> face. Um, who else in the 7K range? Uh, Benny Ann. Yeah, it's got to be Benny Ann, isn't it? Although I do like just talking about Bramlett there. I think Bramlett's a good player, seventy-two hundred. Um, yeah. For you, I like I do like Burmy. He's not going to be one of my favorites. Uh, um, I like Davis Thompson at seventy-two and Hayden Buckley at seven. Yeah, I was going to say I think those are the guys you'd go for. So that makes sense. Six K range, very easy for me. Jimmy Walker. And I'm going to go Vinny Norman. Yeah, I think I think he's probably. <laughs> Look, Jimmy Walker is probably going to miss a cut by like five strokes, but for some reason <laughs> I get sucked into the Instagram world, um, and I'd really like to see it. But like, but to further the point of what I was saying, like that was a guy that I was drawing parallels from with Gary Woodland. Like Gary Woodland's obviously decently amount younger than uh, Jimmy Walker, maybe. Um, I don't actually know how old Gary Woodland is. Is it um, 34, 35? Let's have a look. 38, Gary Woodland. Oh, jeez. Um, so maybe Father Time is catching up with him. Uh, Jimmy Walker is 43. So they're, they're both, they've both won major championships and then tailed off, right? And I just I just think that when you've spent as long as they have chasing your first victory, then you start getting a bit hot and then you win a major. Like, there's a reason you could see them kind of tailing off. So I think there's some parallels to be seen between those two players. Maybe Gary has Lyme disease. I always thought when he was um, back, he looked a little sickly, too, to be honest. I think he should have a chat with Jimmy this week. I yeah, reckon yeah. hopefully they do it like hand in hand, not hand in hand, that'd be weird. If they do it stride by stride on the Sunday. Um, yeah, yeah the he should be group. checked though. He yeah, maybe checked. he should be, it would make sense when he doesn't look well. Um, Matt, bit of a chaotic uh, re-entrant into the, the PJ Tour. Um, tough event to, to one, get excited about, but also two, to kind of break down because... You're still dealing with a lot of unknowns. You're still dealing with guys that are coming up from the Corn Ferry. You're still dealing with guys that haven't played for a certain amount of weeks. You're still dealing with a course that kind of leans one skill set. So an interesting one, but I think it's it's a nice little warm-up before we go back to the Shriners next week, which I'm excited about. So anytime I can talk golf with you, Tom, uh, I'm, I'm better for it. So I'm happy yeah. we did it. I, I think It's always good. It's always good to chat. And uh, Matt, good luck this week, and good luck to all the listeners out there as well. Mm-hmm.